Welcome to Comics Experiment, a.k.a. Absolute Comics. That's right, Comics Experiment is the show that I, Benny, bring to you every Thursday over at our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash comicstorian. Uh, and then it gets uploaded to our YouTube channel. Traditionally, my co-hosts are Dan and Andy. And we look at the world of comic books and we have fun with it. We learn stuff. We play games. That's what we do in that show. I am on a second podcast known as Absolute Comics, where we talk about more uh, newsy-based stuff. And that also airs on that very same Twitch channel every Tuesday, and you can get access to that on Patreon. Well, Sal and I had the amazing honor of talking to Scott Snyder about death metal, so we thought that the main comic story and audience on the main channel may enjoy this as a comics experiment replacement. So we're basically promoting our other podcast right here on my main channel with an interview with Scott Snyder about death metal. My name's Benny, and that is Sal. Sal is from the channel Comic Pop, for those who don't know. And today's episode is brought to you by Bespoke Post, a great program that you can use to get a mail-in box of your selection to you, but I'll tell you a little bit more about how that works in the middle of today's episode. So, in a traditional Absolute Comics, Sal and I talk about the news in the industry, which is sent to us by Dan, many of you know from the Normal Comics Experiment. Uh, today, uh, we got 30 minutes to talk about them, Sal, so let's see how fast we can move through it. Bring them uh, on. I'm going to skip the death metal questions as we literally have 30 minutes of death metal discussion at the end of today's episode. Yeah. Uh, so Marvel makes numerous changes to unreleased Dawn of X titles. Books such as Children of Adam and Excellent. Why is that a name of a comic, Sal? Because Hickman. Like, because, <laughs> because of course, if any pun you can make with the X, you this is the time to use it slash make a book out of it. Because... Well, maybe three, four months ago was the time to make a book out of it because that was when the fervor and the enthusiasm, the unstoppable juggernaut, no, or yes, every pun intended, uh, <laughs> of, of Hickman's X-Men was rolling through. And then, of course, like, you know, we got hit by this thing, took three months off. I, I'm, I would be surprised they didn't cancel more X titles because of how much there was and how right. little there is right now. Although... Uh, I will say, just as a quick aside, apparently comics had an unprecedented sales year. So we're doing I, well. Okay. I think that it's not even odd here. So you know what? Uh, I don't have much to say about X-Men. I am notoriously not a huge X-Men fan. No, and I've, I've, I've scaled down my X-Men to like three titles out of 12. I don't know. <laughs> but I do have plenty to say about everyone who says... Okay, let me let me see. I, I could probably go. Comics are dying. Everyone's oh, dying. Selling. Oh my god, everyone's selling the industry. They're gonna go away. What 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 was that sound? Let's talk about that for what, what happened last year. Yeah, the comics industry made one point two five billion dollars. Oh, let's rephrase that. How much did the dying comic book industry make? Yeah, around one and a quarter billion dollars this year. Now, we've talked about this actually on our other show, Absolute Comics, which you should absolutely go check out. Uh, but where we talk more about like how much the whole industry makes, where it's like, you know, movie studios, they hope to make one movie that makes a billion dollars, whereas the entire comic book industry pulls in a billion. That said, it's a smaller industry, lower numbers. Uh, you know, less overhead, fewer yeah. costs, fewer employees. $1.25 billion ain't too bad in this economy with this medium. So uh, I know I do have a curious because you've obviously done a little bit more research on this. Everyone likes to notoriously say that the 90s were booming for comics. And my argument yes. was always in the 90s, there was far less uh, competition for your entertainment dollar. Um, yeah. 
Did this number break the 90s sales numbers? I mean, like, no. <laughs> no? Did they break a billion dollars out of regular back then? I, honestly, I don't know about the overall numbers. I can only speak to how each book did. But, I mean, like, just to pick a random book, do you remember Wildstorm's Gen 13? Yeah. Those pre-order numbers for, like, issue two or three were half a million copies. No, that's understandable, but wasn't the cost of a comic like two bucks back then? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, so I mean, it that's why more, I mean, sales-wise, yes. I, I, I think back in the day when there was less competing for your entertainment dollar, it was pretty much comics, movies, and crappy Nintendo games. I love Nintendo games. <laughs> Those kidding. games were amazing. They were amazing, but back in the day, like if you compare it, like the crappy Nintendo games of the day, like I remember back in the day, I'd get like two Nintendo games an entire year. Well, they were 60 bucks, and yeah, uh, they were impossible to beat, so they would last you a year or so. I still remember sitting around playing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game where you had to roam the overworld and drop into the sewer and if you lost a turtle you had to find the turtle later in the world but yeah i'm like still having six, flashbacks from that so. period yeah <laughs> that was like sick screw so. those jellyfish <laughs> um or, or so, i mean or... there's a, that's always been my argument but i just i find it hilarious that the argument is that the industry is dying and yeah. unless unless you were just like one of those guys that was in the boom of the 90s and you're just like why don't we have that anymore like yeah the rest of the world gets it like streaming services you've got like tv shows you got movies you got video games you got so much stuff competing app, app games, games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're not wrong <laughs> i knew i knew it was going to come up um but yeah apparently from 2018 to 2020 11 percent increase 1.21 billion dollars in, in in sales not bad 11 percent increase over two years yeah, that's pretty it. good. And that's weird because yeah. that, that's during the period, because we talked about this in Comics Experiment last week, uh, in which the Marvel movies were slowing down. DCU yeah. was still kind of like, what are we doing with ourselves? Like, we didn't have a lot of co- of movies to promote everything that was happening, I guess is the best Cer- way to put it. Certainly the, the enthusiasm had died down. Um, you know, people's expectations, enthusiasm. I mean, like, Endgame kind of gave a lot of the movie-going audiences a jumping-off point where they're like, well, I think I'm good. Or like, oh, you know, the, a Black Widow movie? Okay, I get Maybe I'll catch it. Like, But it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't an event. It wasn't a thing. Like, comic book movies now aren't quite the event slash, you know, cultural phenomena that they were two years ago. And we've talked about this before, the idea that um, if you're in the comic book industry, whether you produce them, whether you talk about them on the internet, uh, there's this kind of need and tether to the bigger industries, video games and movies, movies more than video games, but video games help, particularly the Spider-Man video game helped uh, get any Batman Arkham games. Yeah, those were crazy good and they really helped out. People's careers on YouTube were built off of that one game. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I noticed that Spider-Man did not have that same effect. It did not. Uh, And it's funny because you know why I think that was? Because I really love those Arkham games. But I think, and it's not really a true theory, but it's just a kind of a joke theory where it's like people were too busy having such a wonderful time playing that Spider-Man game. They didn't have time to watch people play that game. Sure, I, that, we'll go with that. Sure, well, I, I mean, I, that's not how it all works, but okay, we'll go with that. No, <laughs> I, I couldn't. I, I literally have never seen a single playthrough of the Spider-Man PS4 game because I'm the playthrough. <laughs> I, I don't want to watch someone web swing. I've seen, what, six Spider-Man movies already? I'm good. Like, I, I, don't wanna, <laughs> I want to web swing now, and our I can. Ch- our chat is stating that they, uh, maybe it's because Spider-Man wasn't as innovative as the Arkham games were. I, I think maybe... Arkham- 
The Arkham yeah, game set a right. precedent of games pretty much in that style moving forward. So. Spider-Man is essentially just an Arkham game with more stuff to do. I mean, it's just the grapple hook. I mean, the, the Arkham games were, yeah, they when they dropped, they shook the world. The Spider-Man game is just kind of like, and here's the best Spider-Man game, you know, as opposed to <laughs> let's completely like there. There are so many superheroes you could just go just do arkham to that character we were saying that about spider-man for years yeah. when arkham asylum came out so yeah why do we um, keep getting linear spider-man games do arkham <laughs> yeah what are you doing just make arkham uh and finally here it is uh but we kind of have needed a tether to the larger media to talk about it yet comics over the last two years 11 percent increase um the movies are helping but I don't think that's what it is. I think it's that people like the movies have helped. The movies have now normalized to some degree comics and graphic novels and, you know, graphic books. And so as a result, people are just buying them or normally like people. Everyone has a favorite comic now. Yeah. And they'll and they go out and buy them or people buy them just to try them. And the stigma has been lessened. I wouldn't say it's been eroded, but it's certainly less than it was. All right. I mean, I agree with you. So I'm not even going to argue about that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's, normally it's, there's it's a little dope. bit more argumentative stuff happening on this show. No, there's usually a little tit for tat, but uh, I, I mean, thank you. Um, so, okay. Next on Dan's list is the Marvel books. X of Swords becoming. Okay. X of Swords is going to be bigger. With the no. cancellation, they're making it bigger. Why? No, because X of Swords was what? 40 books? Was it? I, I thought it was like anywhere between 25 and 40 books. Now, I mean, I'm not following. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of X-Men. So I was yeah. just going to read it when it came out. But For the record, I think it's 10 of swords, but it's an X. So whatever. Okay. Oh, you know, you're right. I've heard people yell at me before. Oh, Renny. Um, no, I just want to acknowledge it because I know it'll, we're on, we're on the comic story and channel. There will be comments. <laughs> <laughs> Fat guy's right. It is 10 of swords. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> I, I, I ex- <laughs> ten of swords is that fat guy's right. It is ten of swords. <laughs> Listen, we, we we make our careers on YouTube. I get comments too. I know what they say. But the ten of swords event isn't even where Hickman's going with this whole thing. It's just an event in here on his way to the to the end, which he hasn't even talked about yet. So. Oh my God, you know, good luck. I hope it sells well. The thing is, here's something funny. There's, there was a rumor that like 5G, I don't want to get talk about 5G too much, unless you really want to talk about it. But like, there was a rumor that 5G was kind of like a collaboration between retailers and DC to kind of like get asses in comic shops. And with the loss of DiDio, the loss of 5G, retailers are kind of like, what are we going to do? We don't have a massive thing to get people in, in stores. Right. Empire seems to be a little bit of an olive branch, but maybe Ten of Swords is like, has, has expanded to kind of be like, get people into comic shops, get people excited, like have retailers talk about like when, they're, when there are people in the shops, be like, yo, you got to check out Ten of Swords, big book, tons of issues, lots of ramifications of the X-Men series. It could be a retailer co- like coordination. I don't know. You're right. <laughs> Sorry, Andy was asking me where we left off with the turtle storylines. Like I was listening to you, but at the yeah. same time, I was trying to see where the last Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle storyline I did on the channel was. Yeah, yeah. I noticed, by the way, you're really excited for Last Ronin, which, of course. Oh my God, not. the Last Ronin looks 
looks amazing. Okay. Which turtle is it? <laughs> okay, which turtle? So for those who don't know, it was announced back in April, but now it's coming back around because COVID's gone, all right? Yep. Last it's runner, not gone, but like we have to go to the store. Oh, yeah, exactly. Okay, it's not gone. But you know what I'm saying? I, yes. I keep wording it like that, and everyone's like, Betty! Betty, it's not gone, it's not and it gone. isn't, but yeah, no, but we're still okay. back to work. So, so for those who don't know, Teenage Mutant Turtles, Teenage Mutant, I can't even talk. TMNT. TMNT is an amazing comic <laughs> series. So many crazy things have happened in it, right? And I've, I've been yep. covering it for the longest time, but we took a huge break like two years ago. We're going to start coming back to doing them because of the excitement that we saw from people wanting to see the Power Rangers Turtles books. Which, yes. by the way, if you haven't read Sal, if you ever wanted the Turtles to get Power Ranger Morphers, read the book, Sal. That's what I wanted when I read Justice League Power Rangers. And I'm like, this was horribly disappointing. Taylor wrote a fun story, but like, we didn't go as far as we needed to go. Yeah. So, okay. So anyway, they're coming back around the last Ronin, a future story of the turtles. They're all wearing the black masks. One turtle has survived. And that turtle has the swords, the side, the bow, and the nunchucks. Yep. Who do you think it is? Okay. So it, it seems to me, I mean, the obvious choice would be Raphael because he's the most brooding. He's the most sorrowful. He's the most introspective. He's the most solo turtle, which is why I think it's not Raphael. Right, because it's too obvious. Or Leo. Right, because, expecting. because Leo could be a Ronin. Yeah. He could be, uh, you know, like, he could be more Raph-ized if he has enough loss. Again, too obvious. I saw a lot of theories, like, I'm a Donnie fan. fan. I love Donatello, uh, but not enough tech. I don't, I don't know if I see Donatello being like, my brothers are dead. I'm going to leave technology behind and embrace the ninja. I don't see that happening, so I don't think it's Donatello. The, the, my money is on Michelangelo. Okay, I, I'm agreeing with that, but I, just, I have it up on my Twitter today, and it made me think, yeah. do you think we're going to find out which turtle it is at the beginning or the reveal at the ending? I, I, I think that in this kind of story, you'd expect it to happen somewhere like, Maybe at the at the end of the first issue, or maybe like halfway through the story, like when it becomes frustrating for the writer to go, okay, I can't pretend who this person is anymore. Like I can't, I can't keep throwing Easter eggs at them. We have to make a, dis a decision. If it's the main character, you need to have an identity for your protagonist. So I think that you need to establish it pretty early on. So I'm thinking probably last page, first issue. Like he'll how tease you for the idea? whole how, first issue. How yeah. About, how about this though? What if the turtle's also not saying who he is? Going by the name Last Ronin. Right, or or, or a different, like, painter or something. I, right. I mean... He goes by a name that they don't recognize so that nobody knows who it is, but we get the reveal midway or at the ending, like his true friends are like, like April's around, or, or Casey. Like, yeah. Did you think we wouldn't know it was you, Mikey? You know? Like, right. <laughs> I... I... I think that if 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 it is a miniseries, that's probably the way they should go. It'd be a lot of fun to. That'd be such a great reveal, and it'd be a great hook. It's a good way to keep people buying the series. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, who is it? Do they have any? You know, readers can can pick up clues. They can have theories. I mean, I could imagine an entire cottage industry made from people going like, issue three, he said, he said Calabunga. Like <laughs> issue issue seven, he had pizza. You know, like and 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 he had mushrooms uh, and and marshmallows on that pizza, which suggests to me, like, you know what I mean? Like there is so but much issue four, potential. He was suddenly technologically savvy, <laughs> but he used a computer in issue five. Like, yeah, no, I, I think there is a lot of potential for that, and. Uh, 
the thing is whether they knew it was going to be this exciting for people when they came up with it in the first place. If they were just like, it's cool, it's dope, Turtle Black Mask, we don't know who it is, uh, in- initially, um, you know, but but now I'm, I can imagine them being like, oh shit, we got to extend this, we got to pull, we got to drag yeah. this out, come on. <laughs> what if they never reveal who it is? Everyone, oh. who, everyone who would know is dead. Right. They're, they're just the last one and they just go by the name Ronin or something like that. I mean, I think that part of the fun of the series is trying to guess which turtle it is. So <laughs> that would be a big tease. It'd be very frustrating, um, but I would respect the hell out of it. What? What? what, what if, okay, I got. I got a great idea. They never reveal officially who it is, but yeah. the last panel is like a colored mask or something like that. Just yeah. gotta let you. Oh, it must be that one. You know. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, it could be. Oh, and then you know, second series because if it sells well, they're gonna make one. Uh, you would get like a, a kind of misdirection. Like let's say it's the orange mask. And then at the end of each chapter, there's another orange, there's, there's another colored mask. And they, you know, their indication is like, you know, they, they wear, you know, like he, maybe he wears a different mask for different jobs and he's like doing it in deference to his brothers. You know, it's like, Oh, I got to infiltrate a you know tech company. I'll wear the purple one or right, oh, I got to right. go to Japan. I'll wear the blue one. You know, like, I don't know. I, I, uh, I'll take it. It's it's a cool idea. It sounds exciting. And I, li- I like Vanad. We see the colored mask, like exactly who it is, but it's in black and white. Right. <laughs> of course. Yeah. The color is red, by the way, because they're all red, because Eastman and Laird made them red. Um, I, I, I the, It's so smart. I'm so glad the people at the Turtles office at IDW are smart enough to know to do this kind of gimmick, because Turtles 100 kind of like wrapped up a like. It wrapped up the whole turtle plot. It it kept going, but it wrapped it all up. It's it's yeah. kind of like, what are you gonna do now? Like, I don't want to spoil anything, so I'll just say like, you know, we're in a different place in our lives. What do we do now? You know, like, oh, we're gonna have like a different pair of people get mutagen. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, it, they've already added more characters. Oh, they I got love Jenica. the idea. Jenica like, was a big deal. Jenica was a big deal, but like yeah. she's you know Jenica's part of the family now. Like, nah, we get it. Like, it's all you know. I could probably. Imagine it's like what Supernatural the... should have ended on season five, Sal, and they just kept going. <laughs> I, well, I mean, you know, I ended it ish at episode three, but uh, uh, <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. I know, and I've been there. You know, it, it over. But I wouldn't say the turtles overstate its welcome. But I love that they're innovative enough to be like, let's reinvent now. Um, although I don't think they're canceling the previous turtle series. I think it's just here's last Ronin. Here's yeah. I, th- I think they're doing the last Ronin series like they did uh, Soul of the Dragon. Where it's like, oh, here's Tommy far in the future where he can morph into 20 things at once. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, that's smart. That's a cool That's a cool premise. Yeah. I, I love it. Great. All right, so Good. let's move on because we, we got technically 10 minutes left before we're supposed to cut to our to the, <laughs> the other thing. Right. Um, Marvel reverses course on digital-only series, and they will now go to print. So comics such as Hawkeye Freefall, Freefall, Ant-Man, and Ghost Spider are now available in print form starting in August, despite being marketed originally as digital-only for the COVID pandemic. Yes. Uh, Those were books, as I recall, that were in the midst of their series that were essentially canceled, and they were like, we're going to make them, we're going to make the last, like, two or three issues of the series digital exclusive. Oh, um, which I, I didn't know that was, full thing. Yeah, I because I, I remember people complaining about it, and I was like, they could have just canceled the book. Like, at least it's coming out as opposed to not. Well, but, that's uh, like when I, they did, like, the final episodes on, like, a web series or whatever. You know, like, it's, right. not, it's not getting viewed. We're literally losing money 
yes. airing this show, you know, like. Right, exactly. And, and I love the idea and the, the approach because it's so smart. And I, I don't, it's a mixed bag because like if you're collecting Hawkeye Freefall and you want the whole series in, in floppy because you've collected the first four issues or whatever, it sucks that like you'll never be able to finish the series with a physical copy. But you could have never finished, completed the series because they weren't going to print anymore ever again because they canceled the book. It's nice that at the very least, since the book is done, they're going to print it. Because, I mean, the fact is they were going to print it e e even if it didn't sell well because they were going to put it in trade and then the trade would be available. But people are completists and comic book fans like to have every issue. And I completely understand that. I hope that that is not the new norm where it's like, no, if we're going to cancel a series, we will go exclusive digital with it. Yeah. Because at least then you get more book. Like you still get to finish the story. It's good for everybody. It's good for you. You get to spend money on the book that you want to keep alive. I wonder if it's alive. just sell as well as they thought. Yeah. And that's it. And that's But fair. the problem that is what they were there. See, like, so Marvel, a uh, DC's digital only is literally like your big hitters, Batman, Superman. Marvel's like the books that weren't selling, digital only. Like, <laughs> why are they going to sell more there? <laughs> oh, they're not. Oh, it's, it, I don't even think they're thinking of it in terms of like, maybe it'll sell better. I think it's just, well, it does pretty good. Like it does 10,000. Those are numbers we can't ignore. It's just numbers that we can't put out up until issue 50. You know, we right. can only put out like six to 12 issues of this book. But... 10,000 digital sales is still pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, hey, let's do that. I mean, there were books that they were putting out at a loss, you know, books that sold 8,000 units that they were putting out just because the trade paperback sold in bookstores way better. And so it was like, oh, we're taking the loss on the Squirrel Girl, I'm thinking of specifically, because it's like, yeah. we're taking a loss on the floppies, but we make up so much better in the in the trade and book market. Yeah. Um, and it's... It, I, I'm I'm glad for the one or two people I saw really complaining about the fact they weren't going to get to finish their series, but I hope that it's not Marvel reverse coursing on digital books because I think there is there is room for us to have like a fun menagerie of series that wouldn't normally sell. Like you know if they're like hey I've got a like if 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 Chris Priest is like I got a killer Night Thrasher book. I want to read that Night Thrasher book. It's not going to sell 20,000, 30,000, 50,000 units. The first issue might sell 50 to 80,000, but like it's going to drop off hard yeah. after that. But if they said, we're going to go, we're going to make a Chris Priest Night Thrasher series, going to be 12 issues, but if it sells better than 20,000 units digitally, it's going to keep going until we run out of people to buy it. Yeah. Then that's awesome and keep doing that. You know, I think that that's that's where we should be going, and DC's already proven that that's a that's a good track record. Give a give a talented writer who's hungry and 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 and, and you know good for the work a book where they can do whatever the hell they want. I'm talking to you, Tom Taylor, uh, and <laughs> and you'll sell like, and it'll it'll do great. You know? In our interview so, with Scott Snyder, that you're going to be talking, you're going to for viewers afterwards, you're going to see it after this. Uh, yes. And speaking of Tom Taylor, when he was talking about having an area where he didn't have to worry about continuity, were you not thinking of Tom Taylor's way he does everything over there? Right, where he's it's like, almost why like, Scott ever... like, why can't I do something like that where I just do whatever the hell I want to the character? Oh, yeah. Tom Taylor is such a household name at this point. There's no way they didn't offer him like Batman, Justice League, or some major book. And he was like, why would I do that? <laughs> why would I do that when I could just do a crazy, amazing sales juggernaut and not have to worry about editorial? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll let them talk about that. I just, I just was thinking of that. Okay, so I, yeah. I got, I got, I'm going to jump around a little bit here because this is going to Marvel line up better. 
Empire is continuing to shrink. Why do I feel like Empire is going to turn into Axis? An event that comes (laughs) and goes and no one even knows it freaking happened. Except for that one guy that's like, Axis was amazing. I love I love Sixus. That's what that A looks like. Um, but yeah, no, I I hope it doesn't because I don't know if you've been reading the first couple of issues, but like I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> I haven't read it yet because it, I, I, it's like Avengers Empire. That's not Empire, Sal. No. Empire starts tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, Empire One. We've I've read Avengers Empire Number Zero, Fantastic Four Empire Number Zero. That's tomorrow a- we're getting Avengers Fantastic Four Empire Number One. <laughs> so I was like, I went to go read it yesterday to prep for it, like to talk about it today, because I was like, we're gonna talk about Empire, and I'm gonna, and, and I'm like, wait, it ain't started yet. What the like, hell is this? It didn't even start. It's all prequels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but the prequels are good, and like R.B. Silva, Pepe Larraz, like these are great artists on this book and slot is doing a nice job and it, it with the main book it's slot and al ewing ladies and gentlemen al ewing you love him trust him i mean he Just, does an amazing hulk and and, and and he did a good job on everything else that nobody read but like <laughs> but you gotta read it. It, it it's it's fun it feels quintessentially marvel and i think this is one of those things where like when 5g died marvel called the retailers and they're like we're going to go all in on Empire. And then like the sales for Empire, Fantastic Four number zero were like really bad. And they went, okay, we're going to scale back on Empire. And I got to tell you, I saw that like at the end of every issue, they have like a big thing where they're like, here's the checklist. I'm like, how many issues is Empire? Four? Got it. Yeah, that's exactly how I was looking at it. I'm like, I'm going to grab those. And then after it's done, I'll see the ones that everyone goes, oh, but you missed this moment. Exactly. Where they secret empire it up. Oh, by the way, uh, the MacGuffin was found in the (laughs) tie-in. Right. It always does. That's Marvel's way. Cram it in some random tie-in. But, hey, listen. um, I'm I'm the anti-tie-in guy. I hate tie-ins. But I still say Secret Wars, every side book was cool. Oh, yeah. For the most part. I'm not going to agree. You know what? I'm going to call your bluff right now. Right? Secret Wars... Uh, 2000 yep. what was it 2000 what 15. 15 reading order okay let's i gotta see. tell you man williamson did red skull it was awesome it was just basically just, like the, the wild want... bunch okay a force was good i'll give you that a force uh, was good siege was great it was an abigail brand story that was age of ultron awesome. versus marvel zombies uh yes that was really cool <laughs> uh cracks in the wall everything dies yeah. Oh, no, you know what sucked? The Bendis one. <laughs> Which one was the Bendis one? The one where the Ultimate Universe and the real universe like meet and team up. That one was like Wait, there that away. was a part of it? I didn't even read that. Yeah, don't worry about it. You didn't, you missed nothing. <laughs> but like okay, so that one. Oh, but uh, uh Renew Your Vows was a was a was a mini series. That was I don't pretty know. Good. I don't think you're a fan of that. I am not. Well, I love that, Spider-Man Mary Jane. But... behind you. I thought you would at least motion your... Oh, yeah, this. I forgot <laughs> I have this. This is my Instagram wall. I completely forgot I have all these things. <laughs> all right, Once so I moving on up, then. I'm... Empire yeah. looks cool. I'm excited Empire for it. Empire looks cool. We're, uh... Yeah, it's... but they scaled it down is what you're saying. Yeah, they scaled it down. Uh, so the last, the last big topic, which I don't think is going to matter to you because you're not a Power Rangers fan. But uh, Boom is going to make a brand new Green Ranger. Oh. What do they kill off? Tom- well, I guess Tommy's a, a white ranger, right? Where the timeline is right now, Ro- Tommy's the green ranger. Oh. Yeah. 
I thought. Oh, so after Necessary Evil, they're going to reboot the series. Not like storyline-wise, but we're going to move to the Tommy White Ranger era, and we're getting a new Green Ranger. That's a, that's a great idea, because I did watch Power Rangers. I watched the first series, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, for a couple... Up until he became the White Ranger. That's when I was like... I, the I can't weird part is, and this means nothing to you, but he's got the dragon style helmet. That's evil what Tommy helmet. does. Yeah, no, the new Green Ranger. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, listen, the Green Ranger looks awesome, and the Dragon Zord is super dope. So, like, yeah, put someone else in that suit, make a cool character. Hey, are are they bad? Is it a is it an evil Ranger that all of them have to fight? I mean, who knows? We're gonna find out real soon. I'm curious to see what they're gonna do with it. I like the because so, so I don't know if you're so if you're not aware of what happened with Boom. They did Shattered Grid, which sold like gangbusters, was the surprise smash hit. They did a live action trailer. Things. Then they did Beyond the Grid. That was not good. <laughs> I just like how that was just... That, that was the follow-up. And then they did Beyond the Grid. Like the, So the Power Rangers was amazing because they were hyping up to Shattered Grid, but very slowly, very methodically. It felt like just side stories in the Power Rangers universe. When they shattered the grid, hence the name, <laughs> they did it. Like it actually happened. Beyond the Grid was the Lost Rangers in a space, oh. like almost like Star oh. Trek Voyager style. Oh, it was okay. But they also didn't have their powers. Oh, and that was ten issues long. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I I get the motivation. It's just kind of like, you know, when you have that momentum, you can't fumble the ball. It, at it, that it, point. it should have been a spinoff, like a nice little side story, but they made yes. it mainline. That was the problem. So they came yeah. back with necessary evil, which I'll be honest. I haven't read yet. I, I literally sitting right here to read this. You were so burned. <laughs> I was, it wasn't, I didn't like necessary. I didn't like beyond the grid. I finished it. And I was like, Ugh, whatever. It didn't uh -huh. help that Kyle Higgins was off by the time they did that, but it looks oh. like they're going to end it and then kind of do it again, telling a new story and then a new era, but it looks like white Ranger Tommy era with a new green Ranger. That'll be great okay. for clickbait. Thank you. Boom. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, white. that sounds cool. And Hey, new green Ranger. That's a great premise. It's a good clickbait. It makes sense. And it's a, yeah. uh, just, just, just as a ca the most casual power Rangers fan, I won't even take the moniker fan. I, I am aware of Power Rangers. I watched the show a little bit 20 years ago. Um, the idea of You can't give me else, shit. You still watch Turtles. Uh, I mean, depends on which Turtles. I, I, I dropped off, certainly, after a certain point. Um, you know. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're going to yeah. wrap up today's, uh, this portion. Alex, live show's not ending. But, Sal, it's time for me to open a portal and lead Whoa. you to the Scott Snyder interview that we had with Scott Snyder before actually filming this portion of it. Uh, I did not think to press record at first, so you're going to literally jump into the middle of Scott Snyder's response to Sal's first question. Do you remember what that question was, Sal? I, I um, no. I, it was about, uh, it was, oh, it was about comparing metal two to one. Okay, yep. So that, so he was, I got, I got him responding, but I didn't catch you saying it was the thing because I realized I wasn't recording at the time. So we're going to cut into that interview and then you'll be, we'll be, Sal and I'll see you at the end of today's episode. Today's podcast is sponsored by Bespoke Post. If you're like me, your mailbox is pretty depressing, filled with junk mail, bills, political flyers, and a stupid amount of coupons. But once a month, I get very excited checking my mail because of my monthly box of awesome from Bespoke Post. I'm still amazed at the amazing quality of the Damascus steel knife I received in one of my boxes of awesome. 
Bespoke Post only sends guys the best stuff every month. No matter what you like, Box of Awesome has you covered. The boxes can contain anything from barware to cooking tools to outdoor gear to style and grooming goods. To get started, take the quiz at theboxofawesome.com and your answers will help them pick out the best Box of Awesome for you. It's free to sign up and you could skip a month or cancel at any time. Each box only costs $45, but packs more than $70 worth of gear. Get $20 off your first monthly box when you sign up for theboxofawesome.com and enter the code COMICS at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com and use the code COMICS for 20% off your first box. It was actually when we um, when we signed up to do it, uh, we, we pitched metal kind of along with death metal. I was back at New York Comic-Con like 2016 or so where the very, just the bones of it, not the whole story, but the idea was almost like metal metal was supposed to be a way of, of um, doing an event that would embrace kind of comic book lunacy and the fun that came with these kind of giant epic over the top, you know, grand crises and all of that, that we grew up on. And then um, sort of fan out into a bunch of different threads that would, explore certain themes in the DCU and then come back together. Um, it was supposed to be a, sh a shorter time than it took, but about two years afterwards where Justice League, Justice League Odyssey, Justice League Dark, Superman, Batman, Batman, Superman, um, Batman Who Laughs, a lot of these books would kind of come back together and wind up uh, culminating in this second event that would sort of, uh, for us at least, bring a lot of disparate threads together, both in the present DCU, but also stories from the past uh, and make something connective because we felt like one of the things that was kind of missing from the line and also just missing from the spirit of, of DC a bit at that time. And, you know, now too, but in ways that are good and in ways that are, I think, detrimental to things is this sense of isolation where a lot of the stories seem to be siloed and everything should have room to be a independent and singular vision. At the same time, some things, you know, could be connective in ways that I think would be create more of a tapestry and work as an immersive experience. Mm. It was about sort of referencing all the stories without, you know, changing them, interrupting them, doing anything disruptive, building on them and making something that said, this is who we want to be going into 2021. You know, and it's a big war story. It's supposed to be about how we're all in it together, how, you know, the whole DCU, like the comics industry, is fighting through this very difficult time uh, by embracing sort of the idea of, uh, of um, having to, to get to the other side together in all kinds of strange and uncomfortable and reckoning ways. Cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to, yeah. I, I myself am a huge fan of your giant events, it's just giant events at DC in general. I know when you first started doing the justice league run, you were saying you wanted to bring it back to that epic sprawling nature. And I like the idea of like Batman's got his solo run, Flash has got his solo run. But if you really want these guys having this crazy adventure, that's that's Justice League. That's everyone coming together to stop the world or universe from ending. So I've been a huge fan of the concept in general. Right. And following along with the Justice League run, the exact same thing. I was just enjoying it for the entire ride leading up to this. So when you kicked this off, I was just yes, there we got evil Batman fighting Batman and Wonder Woman and. Yeah. And I mean, that's, and totally, you know, we just, we really, the fact that DC is just letting us do it at this point really shocks us all the time, you know, with the level of crazy that we go. But at the end of the day, I hope the thing that's communicated to people is it's a very 
it's a it's a personal one and it's a heartfelt event, honestly, where it very much is about um, why we love these characters and how these characters have the potential to bring bring us together through difficult times. And that's why it's narrated by Sergeant Rock and the sense of the sense of camaraderie and war, all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it, things have changed so radically from when it was conceived to now. And yet I feel like the core message is is still pretty resonant and especially like writing a bunch of it when COVID, you know, really took hold, having Sergeant Rock do that kind of rallying cry, it was meant as a kind of, it was really written for retailers and fans and, and, you know, people in the industry and, and, and that, that sort of um, that pep talk that, you know, he's, he's just saying like, I look out and I see you guys cause you're still there, you know, that you're the soldiers that stick around and we're going to make it through in one way or another. So it's meant to be big, fun, epic kind of escapism. And yet my favorite, my favorite um, kinds of stories promise that and then wind up being about the moment itself in ways that might surprise you. So uh, that's kind of what we're going for here. So Sergeant Rock is like a crazy callback. I mean, when you first brought up, put him in there, a lot of people were like, Sergeant Rock, who is this? Us DC fans know him from popping up various throughout you know history. But anybody who doesn't know is completely oblivious to him. What made you decide to use Sergeant Rock as the narrator of all characters that you could have used that were obscure? Well, I mean, two things. One, I, Greg and I were just joking about characters that he always wanted to draw and years ago, and he was like, I just want to do a Sergeant Rock thing, and I was like, one day. <laughs> and it'll be a zombie. And then the second thing was that, um, like I said, I wanted it to the whole thing to reflect a moment that came upon the DCU almost without warning and transformed it into this landscape that felt alien and difficult and you know, hellishly challenging. And, and so in that way, it felt right to have a narrator who would be on one hand, be able to make light of things a little bit because he is a bit of a cartoonish character on the one hand. And yet on the other, you'll see there are moments as we go farther into the story and his body deteriorates (laughs) His, his heart. And what he says in terms of rallying, rallying the readers, I think becomes much more, um, affecting and sincere. So, you know, he's he he's kind of the DNA of the series is, I think, very much baked into baked into that character. So I'm really excited that we got to use him. And uh, yeah, I mean, DC's been great. And the thing is, like, the weirdest part of the whole thing is almost like what we pitched uh, initially with Death Metal was this kind of scaffolding that would go out from metal through Justice League, you know, and all the books that I mentioned earlier and then fan back and pick up threads from Doomsday Clock if Doomsday Clock had big effect or didn't have big effect just because of scheduling or, you know, maybe some of the stuff that was happening in Brian's, uh, er- Brian Bendis's area, whatever we could, whatever we could play on without disrupting, that was the idea. And, uh, the landscape was look to be frank, just really volatile for a while where I think, you know, there were a lot of changes and a lot of things got expanded and contracted and you're the villain and all kinds of stuff. So, we just tried to adjust and um, there were moments when I was curious, I didn't know if this would even happen and we get to death metal. And then where we landed with it actually is really close to the original pitch after all of the kind of back and forth of, well, it would need to set this up or it would need to do that and pushing back or fighting or not fighting on certain things. So the weirdest part is almost like getting to do it the way that we, we asked to do it four years ago and having it wind up being, I think, the best version of it for this moment 
you know, love it or hate it. I mean, I'm very, very grateful that it seems to be going over as well as it it did. But it was always one of those ones that we were going to do either way and just say, if we can get it out the way we want, we believe in it. You know, me, Greg and and John and FCO and and Marie, our our sort of rock queen editor and uh, James and Josh and the whole team. So and yeah, I'm just really, really excited that we've been able to do it pretty, pretty unfettered. Do um, I know that um, there's been some talk about uh, in, in interviews and so forth as we were ramping up to death metal that there had been some changes to the story during the the, the kind of like lull because of COVID and everything. Um, you mentioned that you kind of got to do what you wanted to do, um, but how much tumult would you say you went through during the last three months of development for for uh, for death metal? Like, you know what I mean? Were you like, oh, crap, like, is it going to completely change or is it going to be like a completely different animal? Like, how many incarnations did Death Metal even end up in before you got to kind of where you started? Well, there were kind of two phases. I'd say that the COVID phase really was much more about, less about worrying about getting to do the story the way we wanted and wanting it to be more of a platform where we could try and create work for for creators. Uh, so that was a phase that was tumultuous, mostly because the beginning part was already figured out and we had always planned on doing um, a couple specials, but there was talk initially of doing a very big sort of crossover where almost so big that we were, we were a little nervous about it, um, where it would take over many, many books, um, but it would give people a chance to jump ahead in different ways. And we were amenable to it, but I, it was not the thing that I was dying to dying to do, but it wasn't going to interrupt anybody's stuff. It was more like they'll take a month off and we'll do this. And so there was a period like that. And then when COVID hit, um, it became clear, like we had to be much more conservative with the line and all of that. And so the sort of volatility came from trying to create anthologies and tie-ins and specials that would allow for people we had spoken to uh, some brand new creators or up and coming creators, some industry legends to be able to come in and still do work on the event because we wanted it to be something celebratory that felt like one big rock party that invited in (laughs) voices that you know and you're familiar with and then voices maybe you don't know so well. So it was about celebrating the industry um, kind of giants and the new new generation. So that that was a lot. I think the, the volatility I was talking about before was more, you know, between 2018 and 2020, into 2020, there was just a lot of a lot of um, you know different ideas about what were, was going to happen at DC post death metal into 2021. You know, I think a lot of uh, a lot of change with with us being acquired by AT and T and a lot of different things. You know, about where where different resources should go. And you know, I'm I'm just a freelancer, so at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I have a good platform within DC, and I have good relationships in there, and I I definitely have some leverage. But that said there's so much that's just far beyond my pay grade and all of that, that it was more about kind of, well, if we're going to do this kind of initiative afterwards, that's more of a generations or a 5g thing, how do I adjust to that? If we can't set that up and what if they, can I do something that would we just bottle it? So it's more like a standalone, like a blacklight. So there's a lot of that, like back and forth and back and forth and wow. how we do it. And we were always trying to be supportive of whatever they wanted to do because it's their choice but trying to create an event that would almost would still be what we wanted it to be. So there was a lot of back and forth, I think for a while. And then right before COVID in February, it sort of 
evened out. You know, I think some of it was some of the vision that Dan had uh, versus some of the vision that's there now for what it would be afterwards. And again, we were always, you know, no inside the beltway, huge gossip. I mean, there were things that I didn't feel particularly excited about and there were things I was excited about and never would I have been like, you know, we're going to do this and contradict that or, but, you know, I was very firm about death metal needs to be this and about these things. And if you have a way of coming after it with whatever you want, that's your company and your line, but I can't change the ending or change the whole thing that was approved to give you something that won't fit it, won't fit the spirit or what it's about. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, you know, there's good creative, it's good. There's good creative, uh, good creative differences, you know, but it's like, mix it up a little bit. And then ultimately it wound up in such a way that now it actually is pretty confluent with, with the stuff that seems to be being planned. So it's, you can start to build from it outwards in a way that feels, um, you know, more plugged in and exciting. So I don't know, I'm excited about it, you know, but I'm also, I'm really looking forward to like, you know, events are, events are a lot. (laughs) Like (laughs) Greg and I are looking forward to having this be one that really kind of says a lot of what we want to say. And then, and then just move into different territory, you know, not that we won't do big things or do something else for DC. We already have, I have like um, an approved thing at DC for later, but I, I don't, I just don't want to be, I don't want to be like driving at the center of continuity stuff quite as much, you know, yeah. I'd like to give other people more of a chance to do their takes. And I've been here 10 years and I still want to do stuff that I love with the characters in big ways, but more, more sort of off, outside the main outside the main lane a little bit that creates its own space if that makes sense so yeah closer like, to like uh last night on earth where you get to kind of do your own thing in your own space and have your own stories about the characters yeah. you love is that what you're referencing yes very much like that but also um things that are take place almost in continuity like one project that i'm not i can't do right now but i wanted to do but sets like a good example i don't know if this is bad to say but I wanted to do like a JSA book that would have taken place in the 1940s. I'd still like to do it. And I, I hope to be able to do that, but I have a different project that I, you know, think might fit better. And uh, I'm not sure, but that like that kind of a project that would right. give me room to do something that um, I care about and love was still in continuity in the way that it would, it would be, you know, uh, a take on them that would honor the stuff that came before. And, but it would be without having to be, um, you know, constantly at the center, the like the nervous system. Yeah, of, without of, as it rolls forward, you know, not driving the line because, like, that's right. the thing is what like the the direction that Justice League has gone in for the last year has kind of dictated the direction of DC. And you've said on num- numerous occasions, uh, you have no aspirations of being like an editor of running the company. Of no. like, you just want to tell stories, and at the heart of it, sometimes those stories are big and have the potential to drive the line or potential to direct where the publisher is going to go for the next year. But I feel like you, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you've kind of you've done that. And right now, yeah. it, it's a great yeah, opportunity yeah. to take a breath. Right, and I have a lot of, a lot of independent stuff that I'm about. To at DC, we're, we're about to announce that uh, coming back in the late fall. So we're four issues in right now of nines. I'm really thrilled about that one. I think it's we've been working on it a long time. So I'm pretty, I'm very feel very confident it's our best work on the book. But the uh, the I have that. But I also have um, aside from Undiscovered Country, um, a couple a couple big announcements coming about just getting getting my own my own stuff up and running you know with some with, with people you're familiar with people like greg afterwards and then other 
things that are with creators I've never worked with before. So I just want to, I want to be able to just try out new things creatively, you know, and, and, and give other people a chance, I think a bit on some of the main characters. So some of the stuff I'm really excited about at DC, I'm going to, we're trying, I hope we can do it, but trying to get that workshop program up and running again and a different, a different, slightly different way that I think will work even better and have more utility. So just, I don't know, helping other people get in and encouraging, encouraging takes on the characters in different ways and making a little bit, giving a little bit more oxygen to other people. Sure. Uh, So I got the question everyone's probably wondering. Do you have a list of these epic moments that you want to put in, like Batman with the Black Lantern ring that we haven't seen? And I don't even know how long it's been since we've seen a Black Lantern (laughs) ring get used. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we do. I mean, I have – it's like when I come up – when we come up with it and we all sort of – get together and, uh, and make it up, you know, you, there are those, there are those like anchor points, you know? So there's that you'll see, there's one in issue three where the Robin King comes in. And, uh, I love it. He's just such a little evil brat. Like he's, the, <laughs> he's, and, uh, it's a really simple concept. He's just, he's just, uh, he's the, evil, you know, he's the worst of all those goblins, but he's turned given back his mind. So you'll see, he has a history and you'll see there's a special coming that kind of shows you who he is um, or what his background is with Riley Rossmo and, and Pete Tomasi. But it's like, a, uh, he comes in and you get to see his big entrance. He has this utility belt that I love and the utility belt has a way of killing basically every hero in the DCU, according to him. And, uh, and Flash kind of questions it where he's like, that belt is a choice because it's like big and clunky. And, <laughs> and he's like, thanks, Barry. He's like, you know, I'm really, really proud of it. You know, I've been working on it really hard. I even have a compartment for you. He's like, here. He's like, see, I took your mom's dead body and I, on my world, like it's on his world. So none of it is like in our DCU. But he's like, on my world, I took your mom's dead body and coated it in this amazing speed force canceling deadly toxin. And then I stuffed it into a Flash ring. He's like, do you want to see? He's like, her arms like fling out to give you a hug when I. It's just great. It's just great. Oh my god! You know, it's like that. He's that kid. You know, he's that kid. So he's he's really vicious. And Greg came up with a great design. So there are moments like that, and then there's like armies of Lobos and all kinds of (laughs) all kinds of fun fun stuff coming. You know, so every issue, I want it to feel like you're getting more than your money's worth, and. I know that it's an aesthetic and sometimes uh, it can be, luckily it seems to be going over way better than I had hoped, you know, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's definitely a take. So it's more like, I know that it's, it can be a little out there for some people, but we're trying to make it as fun and inclusive as possible. So you can kind of just pick it up and enjoy. Yeah. It, it, the issue two just dropped today of, of the recording of this episode. Yeah. And uh, it reminded me, cause it's been a couple of, uh, it's been a what a month since or how long has it been since the first issue? It's been about a month. month. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, and, it's a monthly release. I remember. You, I remember your whiteboard, which I always get a <laughs> kick out of when you put the whiteboard up, like on Instagram or something like that. Yeah, like, here's the event, but boom, and I'm always like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but I love the the reading of each main issue because each time that like the story kind of reaches a natural closure point it does stop and then it has like a chapter break and then you get more story. It feels like you're getting more, like that's, you said, than your, than your money's worth, like, which is kind of awesome. That's the, the chapter breaks. The trick with that, I was showing, it was funny cause I, I thought of using, I was doing this class, this first issues class and it reminded me of this technique. And I was like, I had used it on last night on earth. And the thing I love about it is that it actually winds up, it takes space in the book. You know, you get, you have to use those pages but it winds up creating tremendous narrative real estate because when you have a chapter break, it allows so much to happen off panel 
Yeah. Whereas if you just cut from white from one thing to another, it can be very jarring. So it went, it gives me tremendous breathing room within the issue that I wouldn't have otherwise. And it allows me to make it much more expansive and go to more places without it feeling, um, you know, jumpy in that right. way. Copy. So I love that technique. And I, my favorite are in the, you'll see in issue three, there, there are those where it's like, one, the one with Robin King is called Happy Place. It's my favorite. <laughs> um, okay, I got another question about the Batman. Are you just having fun creating Batmans, like the B-Rex and the Bat, Batmobi, Batmobile one? Like, I don't, I'm trying to know how to say it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it honestly, it was just kind of like, we wanted it to feel a little like Aliens to Alien or Terminator 2 to Terminator, where it was almost like we're just going over the top with it, where... The evil Batman, there are a few, like in three, you'll see um, Dark Father, which is like Dark Side Batman. He, huh. has, he has like quite a moment, I feel like, where he articulates some stuff to Clark that I've thought about before about why why Dark Side, he, he makes this point to, to the Clark that I really like, where he says, why do you think that we use evil Batman and not evil Superman when evil Superman are more powerful by far? And he's like, the Batman who laughs uses evil Batman because they show us who we really are. Batman is human. And these are the fears that he has about human nature. Batman fears human nature. These are all iterations of human nature. You, why do you think that all your versions, you know, are tyrants? Like your evil versions built on your fears are like 90% tyrants. And he's like, <laughs> because if Batman fears human nature, you fear what will happen if you don't control it and you don't want to admit it. But your destiny is to be anti-life like me. That's what you. That's why I'm your real Lex Luthor. Is your fear about humanity? I'm your fear about yourself, Dark Side, and I. I love so they're 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 hefty moments that some of them get. You know where I feel like they have weight, and that that argument gets carried out by Dark Side himself when we see him on issue four. Um, but other ones like there's like an evil bat baby that Garth Ennis created that is <laughs> oh, no. yeah he, he was like he was pretty into it he just wanted it. and I was like all right if we can find a spot for it I'm all for it you know so <laughs> and Batmobist I could even I could probably show you the article that so Daniel Warren Johnson wrote that one and it's oh. like uh it's only a few pages but it's awesome it's like a world in which Bruce feels that civilization, he's like, is running out of fuel. And, you know, they're, they're down a highway. That It's like very, it's very, you know, it got this kind of like uh, uh, Mad Max kind of narration. And then he's like, they needed a system, you know, something to take them where they needed to be. So he uploads, he kind of uploads himself to all of these different, you know, every, the whole machine network. And it's like, you know, Terminator or Transformers where humans fight back and they destroy everything except this one monster truck that has <laughs> this thing in it. So that's, and he's like, Batmobile will rise again. And it's so cool. And I love Daniel and I, you know, I love his stuff and Dead Earth was so good. So oh. it's like that. And then like Chris Priest did the, um, did the short where it shows how Batman got a uh, Joker dragon motorcycle bone thing. And, you know, <laughs> It is. It's fun. And then every once in a while, someone will write something that really surprises you and how touching it is, you know, and all that, too. So try to just like prompt people and let them let them do what they want. Want it to feel organic and celebratory, not too, you know, not too oppressive. Yeah, it it reminds me. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say it reminds me of the first time where, you know, you introduce the bat like, you know, the evil Batman and how they're all cool action figures. But then you get like a book about each of them and each book 
is by a really celebrated creator who like told an interesting, compelling story that isn't just what if Batman, it's actually cool. Yeah. Like, and you'd be surprised like what cream rises to the top or you're like, people really dig the drowned and it's like, it's aqua Batman and it's a woman, but it's like, it's super dope. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's really, it's really funny how, how some of the um, characters just took, you know, yeah, really exactly. Took we have, we have a couple others that were, I mean, Robin King is probably the one we focus on the most just because he's, He's just, we needed something human to kind of balance out the cosmic element of, because as you saw, if you read, spoiler, but if you read the issue out today, or if you read one, you know that the Batman who laughs was killed by Wonder Woman with a giant invisible chainsaw that uses the lasso of truth as the cord called the chainsaw of truth at the end of issue one. And But it, as is part of his plan, his brain is put into the body of a Bruce Wayne who, after the events of Doomsday Clock, essentially tried to recreate the intrinsic field generator that made Dr. Manhattan and had some success at least in kind of transmuting his body. So the darkest night rises up. He's becomes kind of a bat Manhattan who laughs, but then we flipped from being like blue and we didn't, we didn't want to step on any Alan Moore stuff. We wanted to really build off doomsday clock and you know, maybe we're being a little cavalier, but Ultimately, it's it's much more about kind of so funny. So he turns into this black demon, as you see in this issue, that is called the Darkest Night. And as he gains power and pulls power from Molly West and other characters, he becomes almost the rival of Perpetual, where he can create planets. So as he becomes more and more kind of cosmically grand and terrifying, we wanted to make a character that was like grounded again. So the Robin King kind of fits that bill with his belt and. And that so he's a big breakout. I think the B Rex, the B Rex comes back. He's a breakout. Uh, one of the characters Wonder Woman faces off with. I think you guys will like. That's that's pretty powerful. Uh, and yeah, it's I don't know. I really I really love making evil Batman. It's fun. <laughs> uh, so I got a question. I want to pull this over the chat. I'm going to try to get some of these because sure. we are going to start getting yeah, tight sure. on time. Good. Yeah. Um, can you speak on what the role of Wally West, Dr. Manhattan is going to play or importance or can you, or will yeah. you speak on that at all? Yeah, I totally can. I mean, Wally's a character who's been through a lot in the last few years and some of it we're looking to kind of uh, just reconnect. We're trying to reconnect him to his core uh, sort of identity. So we're in the story. He's the only one that has this kind of, anti-crisis energy in him that we that's the connective energy that kind of dr manhattan tried to shoot at the dc universe at the end of doomsday clock um and so the batman who laughs in his new form comes after wally even though he's hidden with the just justice society so speed metal which is the spinoff that happens after issue uh issue two uh coming out uh it, it comes out really soon um i'm sorry after issue three uh, it comes out in August uh, into September, shows the darkest night chasing all of the whole Flash family as they try and keep Wally safe. And what happens with Wally eventually sets up the ending of the whole story. So, but you will see Wally kind of brought back to who Wally is and all that sort of stuff too, spoiler. Um, he plays, but he plays a really big role and who he is, is, is important to us. We want to kind of, we want to kind of use who he's become for the purposes of the story and then also give him back his mantle and it different way nope losing him again <laughs> i'm going to you sal oh the next uh, one. All right, well, yeah. oh yeah, he's um, back he's back he's back <laughs> all right sweet 
Did you hear all that? No, yeah. but you, you you locked up right at the ending of what you were saying, so you're good. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a question. Just this is just fanning questions. I, I just think like it's it's fun because this this is kind of an event allows you to kind of play with it, you know. You hear this metaphor all the time, but like grab a toy chest, dump all the action figures out, see what you can use. Um, is there anybody that like you just personally, you were like, I really want to use this action figure. There was never an organic place to use them. You're like, next time. Yeah, Superboy Prime. That's somebody. Oh, oh no. <laughs> he, he, he's someone who I always wanted to use and, and I couldn't use for a long time, but uh, he's in it as of issue three. Oh, shit. Uh, and then he's in Trinity Crisis, which is the tie-in that I'm writing with Francis Manipal that kind of takes the place of what issue four would be. For us, like, we're going one, two, three, September off, uh, four, five, six, seven, all in a row. Wow. But, uh, Greg's already drawing five, so there's we're way, way, way ahead. There's no need for a skip month, but we're just doing one also to build in some rest and to have some pieces in the middle. So it almost goes like one, two, three. And then Trinity Crisis, four, five, six, seven. Gotcha. Trinity Crisis is a 38 page issue just by me and Francis. And it explores the nature of crises and it takes the heroes into the basically the plot of the story is that my favorite line, by the way, is in this issue where Wonder Woman explains this plan to Batman. And uh, she's like, So the point is, what we need to do is we need to go into the dark multiverse and find these worlds where crises are still happening, steal the energy from those crises bring it back here, funnel it to Wally West so that he can become big, destroy Perpetua, and we can recreate the multiverse. And Batman is like, well, that's either the plan or you're having a stroke. Yes, <laughs> I saw I remember that, yeah. It's kind of the spirit of it. So that, so Trinity Crisis takes you through there, through the, uh, through into the, into the crisis worlds. And that's where Superboy Prime, spoiler, kind of begins to make his appearance. Nice. So it sounds like Trinity Crisis is tying in a little bit of the Tales from the Dark Multiverse series that yeah. had uh, had come through. Um, so I assume Tempest Fusionaut will be in some way involved in this. Uh... He's not. He is not, but not not for lack of loving his name. Uh, <laughs> the other half of that phrase, Memento Mori, is the uh, is the uh, is the one of the chapter titles of the next issue. So. Nice. Yes, but he himself is not making an appearance. But uh, yes, the Dark Multiverse makes a couple. Nice. Uh, I should have a, a related question to the Dark Multiverse in general. Just, I'm a huge fan of what you guys are doing with that concept. It, once this is over, are we going to see that just kind of go away, or, or could you say if you're going to, if you could even say, would there be like a continuation of that single issue short story kind of idea? Because there's so that, many things you could mess up in the DC universe if you really wanted to. I hope so. I mean, it was pitched as a kind of what if, you know. Um, yeah. So my my hope is that they continue with them. It's really out of my hands. I really, I kind of, there's some things like that where it's like you may, I made that up or you make up, you know, the Court of Owls or the Batman who laughs and then they just kind of people, it's there for people, you know? So it's right. really out of my, I'm not going to use it anymore, but it's whatever people want to do is have fine with me. Yeah. So, you know, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we got another question from the chat over here, and I'm going to ask this because I'm a huge Red Hood fan. But do you can you say if we're going to see Red Hood? <laughs> you are going to see him, but it's towards that. Basically, we're going to do totally spoiling stuff. <laughs> a moment, basically, towards the end of the event, everyone teams up for one last fight for the soul of the DCU, like heroes, villains. It's going to be like a really fun moment. And in those moments when everybody's kind of getting together to fight off this thing, I don't want to spoil, it's, you know, all of it, 
essentially all the Robins team together. And it's a book where it's like Rob, the whole history, like Robins as one fighting together. And oh, uh, that's going to be epic. It's really cool. And then Batman's with them. So if any of them die, he can just bring them right back. <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. And then, you know, he, he might even bring the body of the Batman who laughs up to fight with them too. Cause there's no brain in it. You can just take it and fight with six. Oh yeah. God. A lot, a lot of cool stuff. There's a lot of moments like that. So, um, also being a, a fan of the Lantern Corps and the the sprawling like space opera that is all of these lanterns, are we going to see any others other than the Black Lantern Corps? Which I'm so happy oh, yeah. we're finally seeing. Yeah, yeah. James. So okay. So one, two, three. September off, right? Yeah. In September, you get Trinity Crisis from me, which is like the kind of spine through metal. But then just to the side, you get Speed Metal from Josh Williamson, which has all. all the you know the flashes running from the dark uh, darkest night and then you, from James Tynan you get uh, Multiverse's End and Multiverse's End is all about the entire core going to save what's left of the multiverse before it's too late so you'll get a lot of John Stewart leads that one and it's a lot of um, a lot of lantern mythos uh, in that and a lot of uh, a lot of um, fun surprises about who you'll see along the way from the multiverse from different earths sweet okay. Sal, do you have any last questions you want to ask as we're getting close to the time and I don't want yeah, to be yeah. yelled at by his wife? No, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, um, to, like, full disclosure, if I don't take the baby in 10 minutes, I'm dead. So. That's why I, 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 I'm watching the time. Don't worry, Scott. I'm like, we want no, to come back, so I probably shouldn't keep him longer than I, No, I appreciate it. I love coming out with you guys. Sorry it was so spur of the moment, but let's, we should do it again. Like, you know. Yeah. That's you can nice. always hit us up spur of the moment. I mean, when, when, right. I, when I hit up Sal and said, yeah, he wants to do it early, we both like, just said, I'm here. That's Scott Snyder. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's yeah, do it. You're not. This cat, right? There's, I don't know. There's nothing I won't answer or do whatever. If I can't answer, I'll just tell you. But yeah. 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 So, Sal, what do you got? I'll give you the last question. Oh, my God. That's a lot of pressure. Uh, <laughs> or I can do any, I'll do any rapid fire from the, yeah, you'll, the, let's, whatever let's, from the audience. The audience, which has a ton of. Oh, questions. I've been asking ones from the audience. Those are the ones that oh, I'm good. asking. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Um, well, then I guess I'll ask uh, when this is. When this is all done and you're ready to kind of like take a breath and work on these smaller characters and these smaller mm -hmm. stories, um, what is, what, what's one of the most exciting prospects for you? Like, what's the thing that you're like, God, this is the thing where it's like, if we can just like, it, it's like a marathon. And then once you reach the yeah. finish line, you're like, I'm going to grab this thing of Gatorade. What flavor Gatorade are you going to grab? When you take a break? <laughs> well, there, I'm going to grab a lot actually at once. Cause there, <laughs> I have, I've been cooking up a bunch of projects, like the one with Francesco Francavilla alongside that I've teased. That one is pretty far along, like 30 pages in. Plus there's one with, uh, with, I'm doing, I'm doing with a bunch of different people from, uh, I can't give too much away, but from too little to other people and like a lot, a lot of people that, you know, I, I want to, I want the, some are people that I've worked with a long time that are like Greg again, for example, and some are people who are brand new to me. So my, what I, what I'm most excited about honestly is working at a different, at a different pace with a different sort of um, different priorities. Like I love the calculus that you have to do working on mainline DCU stuff, especially big event stuff. Like, and I love the teams I work with. My editor, Marie Javens, is one of my closest friends. And I love, like, I love the whole, I love the whole experience. And, and that comes with all of the bullshit and frustrations of arguing with editorial. Sometimes not Marie, but <laughs> seriously, Marie is, we've never had an argument, but like, you know, arguing with, with different, 
you know, higher ups about doing this or that or scheduling or this, like, you know, and trying to coordinate it so that, you know, you're doing an anthology and you're not stepping on something someone else is doing and just all of it. Like there's a lot of math that goes into that. And especially also like when you do a book in the DC, you have to kind of think, or I do at least like, I think, where is this character in the public consciousness? What do they expect? What do they want? All of those kinds of things you triangulate so that not to give them any of that, <laughs> but they know it so that like, I know what's going to, I try and figure out what you want or where the character is so that I can kind of get what I want while still being aware of how to sensitively proceed through the things that you expect. So like, and some of what you want might be exactly what I want. So we might be like that, but sometimes like you might not want James Gordon for, for Batman or whatever it is at the time I'm doing that. And I'm, I would know that and then be able to say, have Jim Gordon be like, you don't want me to be Batman. I know like I'm terrible at this, like, and <laughs> like oh, you know, so, but that calculus at this point in my life, like I'm, I'm tired after this one, this one required tremendous calculus about like every, like every crisis, every, every character, you know, that we've wanted to use the, the deaths of characters, all kinds of stuff like that. We're all of it is like a really kind of using everything we've learned to try and make something really different and really emotional. And so after that, being able to do things that I can work with people that I haven't worked with before, but also just work in terms with people I have worked with before in new ways. Like Greg and I have never not been under the matrix of DC together. Like I have never gotten to work on a book with him where we're making our own characters at our own pace in our own way. And we don't have the hamster wheel of like, is this book going to sell over a hundred thousand? Are we going to be able to still, you know, hit those marks that we hit with DC? So our rates are this and like all that stuff, you know, yeah. whereas this is more for us, like same with jock or, you know, being able to go in there with Francis, being able to say, let's do our own book and make it something where we don't have to compete with justice leagues, you know, grind. So that I just, I'm really excited. It's the reason I built this place, you know, here was um, that I'm in off the house was mostly like, wanting to to just put my money on myself for a bit and try try and do books that speak to my own interests and my fears and hopes and all that with people that I love working with, some people I've always wanted to work with that are brand new and do it, some at DC, but, but mostly my own stuff too, and just do it in a way that doesn't have the same pressures. I'm excited to be away from the math that I've had to sort of function with and enjoyed functioning with for a long time. All the politics of like, well, this editor probably doesn't want us to use that character because of this. That's okay. What other character can we use? All right, we'll talk to this, you know, just that whole triangulation. And then, well, that character just got, this happened to them in continuity. So you don't really want to use him in the same way. So can you like, and that's everybody that's like from in metal, it's like Batman who laughs. Well, he's been overused. How do I negate the fact that he's overused? How do I acknowledge the fact that he's overused? How do I, you know, yeah. all of it is that. So it's like, how do you, and I love, I love that. I enjoy trying, I enjoy the challenge because I love the characters and the people I work with, but I'm tired of it. Like not of DC or of that. I'm tired of that math. And I'd like to be able to use these characters and do my own stuff under a different, different algebra, you know, which is much right. more relaxed. That's, that's what I want. Well, we're really excited to see what's next. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Oh Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to let him go, guys. So I appreciate your time with us today, Scott. It's been awesome talking to you. It always is. You're always yeah, welcome back if you want to promote any portion of death metal. 
Uh, I hope your wife's not mad at you. I hope we cut it off just in time. No, geez, I can see the baby is still inside. So he wanders around now like a little drunk. He's like, he can just walk. And he. I know that it's my turn when she brings him outside. So I'm good. So. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much. Uh, this is going to be sandwiched between two normal stuff. So everyone watching the live show, don't go anywhere. Thank you again, Scott. We will talk Thanks to you so soon. Thanks a pleasure. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Scott Snyder. Uh, just a fun fact. So this is a, this show that you watched today, while normally would have been Comics Experiment, we basically did absolute comics inside of Comics Experiment. Uh, so if you liked this style, Sal and I talking about current news, current stuff happening, our opinions on the current events this way, uh, this show airs every Tuesday over at our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash comicstorian, where we do podcasting every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursdays. You can find it right over there. It then gets uploaded to both of our Patreons, Patreon dot com slash comic story and patreon.com slash comic pop uh where it's funded through patreon and through additional advertising like today's bespoke post ad if you like the show and you want to see more of it you can check it out there and if you want it to, if you want you, you just want to watch it later on youtube we upload it to a secondary channel where we put all of our additional podcasts called the comic story podcast network it goes up there a week after airing so all patreons and everyone get it nice and early but it does go up a week after you can watch it there live for free uh, as far as comics experiment, we'll be back to normal next week. Me, Andy, and Dan have got some fun topics to talk about. Don't forget to check out today's sponsor of Bespoke Post. And if you want to see me playing some games, you can find me over at our new Comic Story and Gaming Initiative. We've rebranded all of our gaming stuff to be Comic Story and Gaming. I got some videos being made on the YouTube channel trying to rebuild those numbers. And our Twitch channel is Comic Story and Gaming, where I play a lot of Destiny, Escape from Tarkov, Destiny, Final Fantasy XIV, Destiny, if you're not getting the hints. Uh, you can find all of that over there. Either way, thank you so much for your time. And don't forget, Sal's a great individual, good friend of mine. Please go to his channel just as a favor to me. Watch a bunch of his videos. And if you enjoy his content, hit that subscribe button. I thought that was a good way to pitch it. What do you want? I, 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 <laughs> I think that was fantastic. Thank you. I wasn't expecting that. I was like, all right, thank you. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Call to action, as they say. Yeah. All right, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And we'll see you next week right here at Comics Experiment. <laughs>